What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Today on Sports 360, we will be talking with Michelle Johnson. Michelle is a lead lawyer at Embassy Row, a subsidiary of Sony Pictures Entertainment. Embassy Row develops non-scripted television programming in several genres, including sports. Michelle has worked on some of today's most popular sports shows and podcasts, and she joins us to give us a behind-the-scenes glimpse of her role in bringing such programming to market. So hang with us. We'll be right back with Michelle Johnson on Sports 360. Pleased to have with me today on Sports 360, the Director of Production Legal for Embassy Row, uh, Michelle Johnson. Uh, at Embassy Row, uh, Michelle has worked with such sports-related entities as Barstool Sports, Men in Blazers Podcast, NBC Sports, NFL Sports, and others. Uh, Michelle, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be on with you. Oh, I'm excited, too, to have you on today for so many reasons. But um, one of them, Michelle, is that, you know, I have to start out the show by giving a shout out to St. John's University School of <laughs> Law, which is our alma mater. So it is. Uh, yeah. Shout out to St. John's. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm proud not only to be a St. John's grad, but that so many of the alum uh, of alumni from St. John's are doing such great things in sports and entertainment. You know that very well. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, yeah. it's, it's nice to be a part of that fraternity. And it's really great to have you on to talk about some of the interesting things that you're doing at Embassy Row. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. Well, why don't we start there, Michelle, and, and talk a little bit about Embassy Row, what the company does, and, and also a little bit about what you do for the company. That makes sense. So um, Embassy Row is a, a subsidiary of Sony Pictures Entertainment, um, and they produce a number of digital and traditional media projects, some of which you mentioned, um, such as Barstool Sports uh, projects and um Men and Blazers, as well as Watch What Happens Live, Comedians and Cards Getting Coffee, um, Talking Dead, Cutthroat Kitchen. Um, there's just a number of amazing projects that we've been able to release. And I've been here since about 2012. And um, in my role here, I handle a number of business and legal affairs matters relating to the development, distribution, and production of their projects. So um, essentially, I advise executive and production teams on drafting and structuring agreements, as well as um, advising them in the day-to-day tasks and issues that arise when, you know, they're working on a particular project. And um, I should note that, um, as you mentioned, um, sports networks that we worked with, NBC Sports, um, Fox Sports, as well as NFL Networks with Good Morning Football. And and it's that part of it, Michelle, that I find particularly interesting because, you know, in sports and entertainment have that natural connection, right? And, um, you know, athletes want to be entertainers, entertainers want to be athletes, and you sort of work at that intersection 
of sports and entertainment, which is, I find really fascinating. Um, Now, when you talk about the the giving of advice um, and things of that sort, um, are you behind the scenes, you know, you know, behind a desk or do you find yourself sometimes on set as well, like maybe giving (laughs) advice in real time? That is a great question. Um, I find myself most of the time to be behind the scenes, um, on set, behind the camera, and in a few instances I've actually been on camera where they kind of want to make fun of, um, I guess, how attorneys tend to give advice to their clients in different situations. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I've had a few credits underneath my belt during my time here. But, yeah, I primarily operate um, behind the desk and um, oftentimes um, on set and advising clients of how to proceed with creative um, issues that they're trying to grapple with and get to the viewers at home. Hmm. And I know in, in prior conversations that we've had, you, you, you've talked about and you, you mentioned it a little bit uh, a second ago about sort of the two capacities you kind of work in, you know, transactional. And then I believe the other one you, you refer to as advisory. Right. That's correct. Yeah. And and, you know, I, I for me, the advisory part is always the fascinating part, because to me, that combines legal but also practical and interpersonal and a host of related skills if you're going to pull that off successfully. And, right. and I would imagine that, you know, dealing in entertainment and dealing with sports figures and their representatives, that that side of your role, the advisory role, has its challenges. Definitely. Um, I think Working in an advisory capacity um, can be challenging. I think um, one of the things that I've come to learn is that um, when you're working in a entertainment environment, um, clients oftentimes see attorneys as roadblocks as opposed to being a team player and um, not necessarily having their interest in mind, um, more often than not being the no as opposed to figuring out how to get to yes. And so I think when you're working in an advisory capacity, uh, to do that successfully, you have to demonstrate to your clients that you are part of the team. And oftentimes that could result in you doing things that are outside of your legal hat. And I put that in air quotes per se. Um, For example, if we have a clearance issue on a show where, you know, TMZ just released a particular image of Joe Kim Noah, for example, and we want to use that image on our show, um, actually stepping outside of my legal hat and directing our team members to who they should reach out to at MT, um, TMZ to get clearance for that particular image. Um, it's just doing little things like that going above and beyond that I think helps sort of garner the support uh, that you're trying to get from your client to let them know that I'm here to help you meet your objectives and not stand in the way of what your end goal is. And and it's almost like you're buying, you know, some currency, right. For those times when perhaps down the road, you may have to deliver some bad news to that client, right. That perhaps something they want to do, they can't do, but they might be more, likely to listen to you now because 
they, they see that you are about helping them get things done more times than not. Exactly. I, there's probably some psychology behind it, but I think the more often that you play the let's figure out how to get, get the yes role and you're supportive of your client's objective and not necessarily saying no, but let's try it this way when you do have to say no and remind them of the issues that this has created in the past, which is sort of the why component, right? Don't say no and just, you know, period, end of conversation, say no, and this is the reason why that explanation can oftentimes start to turn the gears in the head of your client that may be only looking at this issue in one particular way, um, and you help them sort of see, like, the broader picture surrounding it. Yeah. And have you ever found yourself in a position where maybe you say, no, you can't do this, but you make a suggestion of something else? Or is that something that's too far out of your lane, so to speak? Yeah. Um, so I <laughs> I don't want to say I don't believe in lanes. Um, I understand that there are lanes, right? And I feel like I've observed that there are two types of attorneys. There are attorneys that um, stay in their legal lane, and um, there are attorneys that are willing to go outside of that. And personally, I found in this particular industry that being an attorney that goes outside of that lane, um, that legal lane, is um, more beneficial to a client. So, you know, for example, um, if my client decides that they want to dangle a baby um, off of a balcony because it's going to be sensational, it's going to get a ton of viewers to turn in, and it's, you know, it's going to go viral, um, staying in my lane would be, telling them, okay, as long as the parent has signed off on a parental consent form and there's, you know, some sort of mattress below or some sort mm. of device that should the baby fall, like, we've basically taken every single safety precaution. Sure, we can go ahead and do that, right? But getting out of that legal lane, would the other aspect of that would be advising them and saying, hey, you know, the backlash is potentially can generate um, given what's going on, let's say, politically, socially, um, in the world, may not be the best look because you're going to get negative um, publicity from that. And those are questions that um, the rest of the team is going to have to answer um, and have their inboxes inundated with about why they decided to make this particular decision and who made that call. So um, I think, and I found myself in those instances where when I've, when I've gotten out of just the purely legal lane and brought in some some more of those um, other concerns, the social concerns, the political concerns um, that I've been listened to, and I think my opinion has been respected, and that you also protect, that's another way of protecting your client's interests. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I appreciate you saying I don't necessarily believe in lanes, and, you know, some people may think that that's almost like, well, you're reckless or something. You know what I mean? Like, okay, no rules apply, but I didn't take it that way because I think I feel the same way. I, I, I don't, I don't like this idea of lanes because I think that they're constricting and it limits right. creativity and, you know, problem solving and innovation and all those good things that you need sometimes. Right. So, um, so no, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying there. Um, um, what about, you know, dealing with, you know, celebrities or, you know, high profile 
legal counsel or, or whatever, because I work right. in sports and there are times when I deal with athletes who, you know, many people know all across the country and all across the world. And, you know, it could be, if you're not careful, one of those things where you get in awe of someone that right. you're supposed to be serving in some capacity. And right. I think it's really important not to be a fan of, you know, the, the athlete or the celebrity. Um, how do you feel about that in terms of, cause I'm, I'm sure you've dealt with a number of celebrities along the way. What's your approach in dealing with celebrity clients? Right. Um, there, I, I feel like I'm at the point in my career where um, I don't necessarily get um, really excited when I see like or hear about a high profile celebrity coming to our set. I mean, of course, there are a few exceptions, um, Oprah Winfrey being one of them. If Barack Obama ever came, oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Um, but I think even in those instances, um, when you're dealing with a celebrity, I think you do yourself a disservice um, as an attorney, um, in particular, where you come off as a major fan. I think there's a level of vulnerability that um, you expose yourself to um, where I feel like the celebrity that you're dealing with, the, the celebrity representative being an agent or an attorney, um, knows that they can maybe push you further than mm. they would normally be able to in a circumstance where you didn't show, you know, your excitement. And so I think in those situations, it's really important to treat everyone's respect, but also very even keeled. Um, and in those rare instances where, knock on wood, Barack Obama or Michelle Obama comes to set, um, <laughs> you can leave, you know, your fandom to after the project that you're working on is over and the deal is, you know, finalized and the ink is dry on the piece of paper. Um, I find that to be the most effective. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, just really good advice, too, in terms of an approach, right, that, you know, because there are some impressive people in this world and maybe some people you really respect and admire either as an athlete or an entertainer or in some other capacity. And right. as you're saying, once the deal is done and once our business is taken care of, OK, well, then maybe then, you know, I can, you know, um, engage in a different way. I will tell you this. I remember once, Michelle. Um, I was at an arbitration hearing and there were several baseball players who had come to testify. And oh, wow. one of the most unprofessional things I, I think I saw in a while was the court reporter during a break wanting and asking to take selfies with the baseball oh, players. Wow. I, I just thought it was just so totally out of place. Right. right. I mean, it's in the middle of the hearing you know, we were at a break, but it was, to me, it just sent a signal to me, listen, focus on your job. It was just disconcerting right. to me. I don't think it mattered any. I mean, she, she was there to, you know, take down the testimony and I think she did a good job of that, but right. it just seemed so out of place. And right. I think that's something that people who are going to be working with celebrities, you know, especially younger people who are coming up, and want to work with celebrities, they really have to be careful because their bosses might not appreciate that kind of interaction. Right. I think that's a great point. And I think also um, perhaps even another aspect 
of, you know, wanting to get into the industry, I think um, if you come off almost like too eager or too much of a fan, you may not be able to navigate the inroads of getting into that quote-unquote inner circle of, you know, uh, of, of that particular celebrity or that celebrity representative. In other words, if you're, if you're super excited because, um, you know, you get to be in, um, I don't know, LeBron James's group, and every single time, you know, everyone's talking, you're bringing up about how you're such a big fan, people, I think, are going to be less inclined to invite you out because you can't control your emotions. You know, you can't hold it together. All you're thinking about is that you have the potential of hanging out with LeBron James. Um, and people, I think, especially in the entertainment industry, can feed off of that. They see that. And they don't necessarily want to be um, surrounded by that at all times, especially when you're dealing with more of a business aspect. Yeah. And you know what I you know what I believe might be another danger as well is that if a person is too much of a fan and too eager as you say to sort of interact I would be concerned about what happens when that person leaves the leaves the job for the day be, do, do, right. do they start talking about who right. they saw today and who they worked with yeah. today? Because, you know, sometimes there's some things as, you know, as it goes that should stay in Vegas. Right. You know right. what I mean? There are right. some things you may see or hear or right. come to know that right. is not for anybody else to know. Right. Right. And I think that to me would be a concern as well. If you if if, if the lawyer or whoever is working with the celebrity is too Google-eyed, I would right. be concerned whether or not they would be discreet in, you know, talking to their friends and family about their work. Because I think there's cert certain things that shouldn't be shared. So You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a lot there to think about. Um, so speaking with, uh, about things to think about, you know, um, in, in speaking with students and, and young professionals who say they want to work in sports, I always caution them or I ask them, you know, do you mind working seven days a week, right? Um, or do you want to work Monday through Friday, nine to five? Because if you do, you right. can't do this, right? You can't right. work in this industry. Right. Um, and I'm sure it's the same, the same for you. Now, I so. will say this. You mentioned to me at one point you worked 61 days in a row. Um, yeah. I know that's not typical, but my gosh, 61 Thank days God. in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. And then also, what, what is more typical for you um, as a workload? Okay. Um, so the 61-day stint that I had was um, in the fall of 2017, where basically we were doing a project with Barstool Sports and Facebook, and we were traveling um, around the country to college football games on Saturdays. Um, and Barstool Sports was covering those games. And I think because we um, garnered a relationship with them earlier in the year with the project they did with Comedy Central and um, using some of the skills that we talked about earlier, I established a really great rapport with um, them and um, the rest of their team involved with this project. Um, they wanted to make sure that I was on set. And so essentially, um, I was uh, flying out on either Thursday evening or Friday morning, 
um, getting to wherever part of the country that we were supposed to be in at that time, um, usually uh, late Thursday, Friday through Sunday, getting back on a flight, Sunday, coming to New York, um, getting in, working on another project that I work on called Watch What Happens Live, which is a late-night talk show, um, and then going into work on Monday and working from Monday to Thursday afternoon on the rest of the projects that I work on and then repeating that cycle for about uh, eight weeks straight. And uh, I don't recommend that to anyone. Um, I definitely was at my wit's end by the end of that stint. Um, And I guess one of the things that I learned from that is that um, in addition to just having resilience, it's just putting in the hard work now um, and gaining the experience that I gained through that 61 days stint where I basically traveled all over the country and went to places that I would have never thought to uh, to go to and saw parts of the United States that I didn't have the opportunity to do. But putting in that work now will hopefully lay the foundation and establish a skill set that I could use at a later point in my career and hopefully not have to do that again. Um, and then a typical day for me, um, it really depends on the day. Uh, there, I guess there is no typical day. I mean, my days can start – um, as early as 8 o'clock in the morning, and they can go to midnight. Um, but generally, um, like we discussed, end of the week, there could be more fires, but that tends to be sort of the lighter part of my week. Um, but I, at a minimum, work six out of the seven days uh, each week, um, coming in on Sunday and working through Friday. Mm. Now, in, no in, traveling. <laughs> no traveling right. since then, yeah. Okay. Now, as your, your position is director of production legal. Are there yeah. other attorneys that you work with? Are you working solo? Uh, how, how does that, how is the setup at Embassy Row? Right. That's a great question. Um, so, um, because we're owned by Sony Pictures Entertainment, um, it gets a little complicated. It depends on the particular issue that I'm dealing with. Um, but my boss, her name is Ruth Chen, and she's based out in L.A. Um, and there's also a colleague of mine that I have out in L.A., um, Dion Gordon, who work, who work on the projects that we have out there. Um, initially, when I started, it was just me. And I was working on, in a bi-coastal capacity, handling the projects that we had out on the West Coast and handling the projects that we had out on the East Coast. Um, and the East Coast, I operate as like a first line of defense for pretty much any project that um, we have going on here as far as legal issues are concerned. Um, yeah, so there are other attorneys, um, but I think just the way that it's structured, um, I work more heavily with the East Coast um, executive and production team. And then if we have um, other issues, if we're dealing with like labor Issues that deal with SAG-AFTRA, um, DGA, WGA, um, which is sort of the Writers Guild of America, the Directors Guild of America, um, the Screen Actors Guild of America, or if we're dealing with um, music issues, music licensing issues, um, or if we're dealing with some sort of litigation, um, that's when I engage with more of the attorneys that are based out in Culver City at Sony, Sony's lot there. Okay. Okay. So, so it depends on the, the nature of the work and whether it's 
some things that are going on in the East Coast. So um, let me ask you this, though. This is at what point, Michelle, did you know that you wanted to work in entertainment? Um, That is a great question. So I think when I was in college, I thought that I wanted to work in the music industry and um, didn't didn't wasn't able to make the connections that inroads in that particular industry that I thought uh, would resonate with uh, the career that I wanted to build. Um, so then I thought about sports. Uh, I grew up playing um, basketball and um, came to know a lot of um, college athletes. So I thought it would be really cool if I sort of navigated that space. Um, again, sports is an incredibly competitive um, industry, and so uh, I had some sort of difficulty uh, establishing sort of a foothold in that particular space. And then the idea of television, honestly, um, fell into my lap. As a child, my grandfather didn't let me watch television. Um, hmm. So um, it's just sort of weird that this is the industry that I'm working <laughs> in, and I had no right. idea that right. um, attorneys were even involved in television. Um and, I, I, you know, I, going to law school in and of itself opened up my eyes to the way the world works and working and getting the early exposure to the television industry when um, I first worked at MTV just definitely blew my mind about all the attorneys that are involved in any particular um, project and all that it takes to start off with just an idea and bring that idea to millions of screens around the world. Um, so I think, you know, it's weird how things happen, but... Um, everything happens for a reason. And there was definitely a plan, although I didn't know it, decade, almost two decades ago. But, um, yeah, it worked out. Hmm. And so what about those, though, who are planning, right? If, if there's a young person in college or in law school who says, I, I believe I want to work in entertainment. Um, what are some of the things that you would share with that person to and suggest that they do to position themselves to enter into the industry? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, another great question. I, I would recommend, and I didn't really know about this um, when I was younger uh, because I, I sort of navigated this road by myself, but um, there's this phenomenon or method of informational interviews. And um, even more so now than when I was younger, like, Googling people, there may be that dream um, company, that dream league, that dream team that you want to work for. And if you're interested, uh, especially if you're interested in being an attorney in that particular space, just reaching out to those people um, via LinkedIn or picking up the phone and calling and saying, hey, you know, my name is John Smith and um, I saw your profile. You're the attorney of the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I just want to speak to you about, you know, how you got your start in your career and just take 15 minutes of your time to sort of figure out how I can sort of model my footsteps after you. Um, that is huge, I think, because you get um, insight from the person that's actually sitting in that particular seat. And then you also sort of build a rapport with that person and get your foot in the door. And if there's a connection, um, you can reach out to that person later on after you've demonstrated to them that you've applied some of the um, tips that they've given when you spoke to them for that 15-minute time period and, and applied that to your own person. So that's something that 
I recommend to anyone and everyone, um, especially college, because you just have more time to work with than by the time you get to law school. Um, and that could also lead to opportunities like internships, um, in-person meetings, just sort of, yeah, it just opens the door um, to a lot of different areas, especially if you don't, if you don't necessarily have those connections. Um, I would say, I guess the second thing I would say is finding out the different events the main events that go on in that particular industry, like the top events to go to, and you can do that through the informational interview um, questions. You know, what are the what are the annual events that are like a must do um, from your perspective that people that sit in your chair are are going to and attending? Yeah, you know that both both suggestions are are I think very important for young professionals and students to to take in and. I will say personally um, that if a young person, a young professional reaches out to me, let's say on LinkedIn or in some other fashion, maybe after a panel session or something, and they follow up, I will invariably take their call. I had a young man, I recently you know, guest lectured at Rutgers University, and he, you know, he followed up with me, you know, after the program and wanted to know if he can drop by my office. And a week later, you know, I told him, sure, come in. And, you know, he came in at noon and he stayed for about an hour and we were just talking about him, about what he wanted yeah. to do. And he was asking yeah. me questions. And, yeah. you know, I'm not, you know, because one of the things I've found and I encourage, you know, people, you know, who are looking to break into the industry, I find so many people in the sports industry to be very gracious. And I'm sure you probably yeah. experienced the same thing on the entertainment side. And so if a student reaches out, I, I believe they will more times than not find a receptive audience, you know, whether it's a, a phone call or email exchanges or in-person meeting, um, I find people to be very gracious. And so I think that's right. very good advice. Yeah. So, um, so. Thank you. I mean, and, and the only other thing I could add is that and, and would help ease the learning curve for someone else. Um, I can speak to attorneys, but I'm sure um, it applies to every professional in the sports and entertainment space. People are incredibly busy. So if the person doesn't respond to you after the first email you sent, that doesn't mean they hate you. It's more than likely right, that they're super right. busy and inundated with something on their schedule. And so don't hesitate to follow up, like maybe a week later in just a polite manner, and maybe a third time. And after the third time, if you haven't heard from that particular person, I wouldn't take it um, as, an, uh, as an offense or a slight. Just move on to somebody else, because there is another right. team, hopefully, somewhere else that um, you're interested in, and, you know, you can pick that person's brain, and maybe they're not um, as inundated as the person that you were dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, one of the things I'm, I wanted to ask you earlier, I want to come back to it now. Um, I, I know for me, Michelle, there's times when I'm working with an athlete or interviewing an athlete in the afternoon, and then I see him on television at night playing right. in the game. And I think that's pretty oh, wow. cool. You know, it's that like, wow, really okay, cool. yeah, I was just talking to him today, you know. I'm like, you um, interview athletes. I don't know. I've never had that experience. <laughs> I don't interview anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, but but on a, but on the flip side to that though, but how rewarding is it for you though? I mean, you're involved in bringing a lot of things, right? 
to the public. So there must yeah. be that sense of satisfaction of saying, you know, I had my hands involved in that. No? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think my personality um, by, I don't know, by life circumstance or whatever is, is being a fixer and sort of a creator. So to be able to take um, various pieces that were pretty much scattered across the earth, it seems like, when a deal is coming together and to pull those mm. pieces together and actually um, after what seems like several starts and stops and things on the verge of breaking apart, come together, get on television, have everyone see it, and then have such a amazing response um, from the public about it. Um, it, it. There's nothing, I think, more rewarding um, than that. Um, for me, personally, to date, there was one particular project called um, I'm Laughing the Truth that we did um, for MTV. And, um, yeah, I mean, basically it was both of my two worlds combining my life as a former prosecutor and now um, my life now is working in the entertainment industry as an attorney and working on this project, bringing it together and helping people um, three cases in particular, people that were wrongfully convicted of crimes, um, reevaluating the evidence in those cases. And thankfully, by the end of the series, we were able to get one person who was incarcerated for 18 years, Calvin Michael Smith, um, freed from prison. He didn't get exonerated, but at least he was freed. And now I think it's the state of North Carolina. They're reevaluating his case. And so that was just rewarding in so many different ways. Mm, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm sure it was, and 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 it is. It is interesting, and there are times um, that I, I would imagine as you look over your career, and you still have a lot to go, and I'm sure you're going to accomplish a lot of great things. Thank but you. you know that you look at it and you have to pinch yourself sometimes to say, yeah. "I'm really doing <laughs> this right." <laughs> yes. 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 Oh yeah, that, yeah, that's okay. Um, now, there's another part of your work that I know is rewarding for you, and that is your work with the St. John's Sports Entertainment and Intellectual Property Alumni. Uh, right. That's a mouthful, but why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit about, about that organization and the work yes. you do there? <laughs> so full disclosure, I came up with that name like late at night at work and I just need to get a name on paper. So I'm open to suggestions. If <laughs> you have a new suggestion, any of your viewers do, I will take that into consideration. Um, yeah. So, I mean, basically um, the idea for the group came about, I think I have been working in entertainment for about four or five years at that point. And um continue to meet people from St. John's by just life circumstance, happenstance, and, um, you know, would talk to them and realize that we should um, be connected because working in the sports industry, entertainment industry, intellectual property industry, um, all those areas overlap, as you said earlier. Um, athletes want to be entertainers, entertainers want to be athletes, and we all consume that stuff through um, media, be it television, um, print, news, magazines, um, essentially you name it, social media. And so in any event, um, 
basically, I had met two key people, St. John's alums, Joseph DeLame, who at that time was general counsel at Monami Entertainment, which was responsible for shows like um, Love and Hip Hop, and um, Christina Kim, who was then also at Viacom, but then she's now um, general counsel at Bustle. Um, yeah, we met, and they invited the people that they knew. I invited people that I knew, and we sort of forged this group that started off with seven people, and now I think it boasts over 60 alumni in the sports, mm-hmm. entertainment, and intellectual property space. Everything from Sirius XM to Pandora um, to Facebook to CBS to BMG to the NFL to MLB Network, um, the list literally goes on and on and on, and it's such a testament to um, the legacy that, you know, alums that preceded us, like you, have um, the foundation that they've laid to allow us to just go as far as we've been able to accomplish, and then hopefully um, through the mentorship program that I'm trying to launch, um, the students will go even farther, and that will just continue to build on the legacy the school has um, created for us and its alumni to date have been able to foster. And how how do you get the word out to, you know, as you said, the group has grown, right? You said yes. from seven to <laughs> 60 some odd now. So how are you getting the word out um, so that those who may not be a part of it, but who should be, uh, can find out about what's going on? Right. Um, so... <laughs> Um, a little bit has to do with my cyber snooping skills that I run to the DA's office. A lot of stalking people on LinkedIn, um, cold, like cold emailing people like, hey, I saw you went to St. John's, thought you may be interested in this group. This is everyone that we have from the different companies, practice areas. Let me know if you're interested. Um, and otherwise, it's word of mouth. Um, there was an article that the school put out last year that helped sort of get some additional interest. Um, in the group, um, and then also there, uh, there's like a general counsel directory that I on occasion skim through, and if I find someone that's um, in the sports entertainment IP area, I will email them. Um, yeah, so it's I think uh, what is that a uh, guerrilla marketing tactic, if you will? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Until we make it big. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I you know, I I have seen your work up close, and I've seen it from afar. I'm not sure if you you might have sent me one of those emails. Um, <laughs> it just said, "Hey, I know you are, you know, you're St. John's," um, but it's um, I, I've seen the work that you do, and it's really remarkable. And so I commend you. you for that, um, because I think it is a good way of keeping you know professionals who are in these specialized industries together to network um you know opportunity to you know you know build relationships and gain information and all those types of things and it's and yeah and also too it's it's encouraging to know that we're all part of a a, a really strong fraternity right in, yeah, in the sports definitely. and entertainment space so Definitely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I do feel a little bit of a bias, um, hopefully not too shameless, but, you know, I, when I feel, when I know that on the other end of the negotiating table is someone that went from St. went to St. John's, I don't, 
um, I have a certain expectation and I think a certain calm that um, I feel when dealing with that person. Like that person necessarily isn't is going to be fair and and tough, but is not going to be cutthroat and underhanded. Um, I haven't met anyone to date from St. John's that's like that, and knock on wood, nor will I ever. Um, but yeah, the industry is so small. I think in the last, I guess, two years of when I started this group, I've done deals where I've had to deal with someone from St. John's on the other end on at least four occasions. Um, most recently, two weeks ago, with the, uh, an alum that is in council or general counsel over at the Met. So it's just a very small industry, and I think um, with the connections that this group um, has established, it will only benefit everyone, the alumni, the students, and the school, and continue to do so. Sure, sure. So keep 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 up the good work there because I, I, you're right; it has a lot of benefits, um, and and for the school too. I think you know I, I think St. John's deserves some credit for producing um, so many people who are working in the sports and entertainment space. Yeah. So yeah. Um, well, Michelle, it, it really has been good to catch up with you, um, and you know as I you know, as I think about shows like, or the podcast, like, you know, men in blazers and things like that, I'm going to look at it differently now because I'm going to (laughs) say, I know someone who's, (laughs) who's working on that, you know? And so it it really is fascinating to find out a little bit about what you do. And I'm sure we just scratched the surface today, but I do appreciate you taking the time to come on today and, and to share a little bit with us about, all that you're doing at Embassy Row. So thank you for that. Of course. Thanks so much for having you on. It's been an honor and a privilege. Sure. And I'm sure we're going to catch up at one of your events and, uh, you know, the mentor program for next year. I'm looking forward to that. And, um, you know, hopefully we can, uh, you know, just continue to work together on some things um, going forward. So I'm looking forward to all those things, Michelle. Yes, I can't wait. Okay. Well, thanks again for coming on. Of course. Take care. All right. It's clear from that discussion that Michelle Johnson has to wear several hats in her role at Embassy Row. More than just a lawyer, Michelle is an innovator who works alongside her clients to produce compelling content that touches various areas of our lives, including sports. As we discussed, Michelle is a grad of St. John's University School of Law. If there are any St. John's alums out there interested in the sports, entertainment, and intellectual property group that Michelle has formed, drop us a note and we'll put you in contact with Michelle. And as always, You're invited to like us, share us with your friends, and subscribe. I truly hope you do. Well, that's it for me. Thank you for letting me be myself again. (laughs) You don't know that song. But I'll help you out in a minute. And I look forward to seeing you next time on Sports 360.